0: 10 shrubs and one tree and blah, blah, blah. And so there's just, you can tell they took them off the back of the truck and put them in the ground and there's, sure. that, it's not, it's not anything. But, that
1: yeah. That yeah. And anything. and I'm not an expert by any means. It's like learned by failure. <laughs> like, Ooh, that thing died fast and it did not look good. <laughs> So next year, I'm gonna, I took pictures like do not do this. <laughs> Ooh, this I was mean. dumb luck. Mm-hmm. This works. So let's do that. But um, my in-laws love gardening, they took a class in it and it had this cute acronym, you need a thriller, a filler and a spiller. So you need like something that like, you know, dangles like vines off a pot, um, something that fills in so, like maybe petunia and then a thriller like a, like a geranium that's like the flashy Piece and it actually works, so give that a try. Be mindful of f- part sun, full sun. That that they're not kidding about that on the label. Can't <laughs> <Get laughs> throw an impatient in the sun. She's gonna be like, nope. <laughs> so
0: I'm here stuff. for the integrated care conversation and stick Slash around gardening. for the gardening tips. I we'll love it. Here we this are. is great. Welcome to the Integrated Care Podcast for the Collaborative Family Health Care Association. I am Grace Pratt, the production editor, and I'm joined by two of my co-hosts this morning. We are going to have a conversation just reflecting a little bit that I'm really looking forward to a little bit later this morning. And also, I want to acknowledge. Uh, just in case the first part of the audio gets cut off, there's a lot of things happening right now. We're having a lot of bugs going around in, in uh, Washington and Illinois and Oklahoma, and there are cats, and it's just a lot. Um, but we are so happy to be here together and to be here joining you in your earbuds. Um, we're going to be talking today about just like seasons and changes, and um, you know what seasons we've been in, what seasons we're seeing ahead, both kind of personally and professionally and in our micro, like at our our local systems, but also in the broader healthcare system. Um, So I'm really excited for that conversation, but we are going to start the way that we always do um, with our icebreaker. And since we're talking about seasons, which this was entirely inspired by a a short road trip that I took to Tulsa with uh, my best friend last weekend, Um, And we were driving and, you know, everything in Oklahoma is pretty much green now and the trees are flowering and then she went back home to Boston and and sending me all the cherry tree pictures so it's just season changing time and so it got me thinking. Um, So I'm curious to hear from you what's your favorite season, do you love spring do you hate spring is there a different one that's your favorite. Um, So we'll go around the circle clockwise from my perspective and so that has us starting with Jen.
1: All right, I'm Jen Thomas, um, Director of Integrated Behavioral Health Morris Hospital Family Med provider by training. So favorite season, I would say spring. Um, I'm an April birthday. So like, I think that was ingrained in me as a kid is like, yeah, I'm looking forward to my birthday. So um, but no, I love spring. Like I'm a a gardener, like I got into gardening a few years back. So I love the time of year when you can go to the local uh, greenhouse nursery and see all the annuals and bring home plants and put them in pots and then try not to let them die, (laughs) weed them and water them and all that stuff. It's very metaphorical for anything in healthcare, especially integrated care, right? It's like you gotta tend to the seedling, or it will not thrive. Um, so yeah, I love spring. I love seeing all the green come back and all the budding trees. It's makes my heart happy to see that life reborn, for sure.
0: I love that. I mean, I might need a consult on my flower bed. You know, I've lived <laughs> in this house for a year, and I have the builder <laughs> shrubs in the like front bed, and it's really funny because you can tell like the HOA requirements are like ten shrubs and one tree and blah blah blah, and so there's just you can tell they took them off the back of the truck and put them in the ground and there's that it's not it's not
1: anything yeah yeah and and I'm not an expert by any means it's like learned by failure like oh that thing died fast and it did not look good (laughs) (laughs) so next year I'm gonna I took pictures like do not do this (laughs) oh this was dumb luck Mm -hmm. this works so let's do that but um, my in-laws love gardening they took a class in it and this cute acronym you need a thriller a thriller and a spiller so you need like something that like you know dangles like vines off a pot Um, something that fills in like maybe petunia and then a thriller like a like a geranium that's like the flashy piece and it actually works so give that a try be mindful of part sun full sun that that they're not kidding about that on the label. <laughs> Get throw an impatient in the sun. She's going to be like, nope. <laughs> so
0: I'm here for the integrated care conversation and stick around gardening. for the gardening tips.
1: I love it. <laughs> Never know where the conversation's going to go. <laughs> uh,
2: and then next we have Bridget. Yeah, so I'm Bridget Beachy. I'm a licensed psychologist by trade, BHC, director of behavioral health. Uh, and as far as my favorite uh, season, I feel like it does change. And being in Washington, with uh, we do have the four seasons, but we also have, unfortunately, fire season, which comes at my favorite time of the year, which is late summer, early fall. So now that like throws a ripple in it because the fires are so intense that I'm like, I don't know if I could say that's my favorite season anymore. So I'd probably say late spring, early summer, uh, because the allergies aren't so bad later on and um it hasn't hit fire season yet <laughs> so that's what i'm going to go with it. and so we can do a lot of golfing mm-hmm. and as long as you get up and go early in the morning then you're able to uh, bypass some of the crazy amount of heat and so there's just you know i feel like every season there's something to really look forward to so i enjoy each of the seasons uh but if it wasn't for the fire season i would definitely say uh, late summer early fall for sure yeah. Anything that gets you outside, I'm sure. Yeah. Although yeah. I bet you're outside in every season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I love like hiking in the winter uh, and mm-hmm. hiking in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, every season. But the problem with the winter is the darkness, mm-hmm. I feel like, is is so intense of just like, yeah. it, especially being so far in the Pacific Northwest, it's like 430 and in, in, in dark. And Ugh. so I think that gets me more than more than the cold. Because you can do yeah. something about the cold, but the darkness
1: yeah. Yeah. is yeah. intense. That's a
0: real thing. Lamp can
2: only go so far. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> Well, I am rounding out our group today. So I'm Grace Pratt. I am the Behavioral Medicine Faculty at Integrus Great Plains Family Medicine in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, and I kind of what you said, Bridget, that there's something that you love about every season. I think my favorite thing is that the seasons change. And this is gonna be a little ironic later because one of my questions for us is like, why is change so hard and why do we have to do it? But when we're talking about the seasons, you know, I just... I love like the first part of summer when it finally is warm outside and you can go out and feel the sun or like when the fall finally starts to cool off, which of course in Oklahoma is like early October uh you know and just the I'm ready to for the next thing I enjoyed the season while it's here and I'm like okay I'm done let's transition to a new weather a new season and change um so I like the changes I like the fact that change can be fun yeah (laughs) Yeah. it can be sometimes
1: (laughs) Yep, sometimes
0: (laughs) Uh, well I am um not sure if Naftali is going to have any news and notes to insert since he is on sabbatical, but there may be someone from our CFHA team that wants to do that. And so if they do, we'll put those here. I know that last month was the virtual conference. Uh, were you able to, either of you able to attend? Or yeah, I went. It was
1: great. I'd never done a, uh, or I did that during one of the COVID years. I did CFHA mm-hmm. virtual, but um, I could go, I went to one day, I had patients the next day. So, um, but it was great. Really good sessions, um, kind of that professional professional development, thinking about your career. And, um, you know, there was some great stuff on um, thinking about your personal brand. That term, I was like, oh, I never thought about that. But I guess I was a little uncomfortable with like the whole like, oh, promoting yourself. <laughs> you know, I feel like in healthcare, it's like, well, I promote my team, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the health system or the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, a, it struck a nice balance of just like, hey, you can be you know, mindful and purposeful and, you know, making that next career step happen. It doesn't happen, doesn't need to happen to you. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be relevant to our conversation today yep. <laughs> too. Um, I, I love that we're able to have that opportunity through CFHA and then, you know, as, as a nice little gathering in between our in-person and mm-hmm. I know that we're going to be in Phoenix this fall and really looking forward to that and seeing everyone there. Um, So I'm going to transition us into our main conversation today. Like I said, I'm just feeling reflective about the seasons and things changing. And it made me think about the fact that, you know, we've been doing this podcast for over five years now. I've been with the podcast from the beginning and uh, Bridget, you joined not too long after that. Uh, And so there, we have seen changes in that time. Um, and, And I think that we see changes in our micro systems over time a lot and in the broader thing. So I'm curious, like as I throw this topic out, you know, when I say that like seasons in healthcare,
2: integrated care and your systems, what comes to mind for you? What season are you in right now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. This has been 2022 and into 2023 has been massive, massive uh, changes at the organizational level. Uh, We've essentially, have almost a brand new C-suite team uh, and ch- uh, chiefs, uh, CEO, CMO, COO, CQ. Yeah. Like it's almost everybody at this, at this point in these last, I think three years, but most rapid in the last year or two. And then we got a new EHR and that's been like a, it was like 18 months in the planning. And so it went live March, I think it was March 7th it went live. Uh, and one of our interns, uh, and I can't remember exactly where he got it from, but the saying of, um, change, you know, is it good? Is it bad or too soon to tell? And I think that almost always when it comes to change, it should be more that category of too soon to tell. And you start making those, you know, snap judgments of, Oh, this is, this is good. This is bad. And mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to do, or there's this thing. And, And maybe it's just my brain's optimism, but looking back on, I feel like it almost always moves to like, you know what, that change was needed and it was really good. Uh and so when I start getting too judgy early on, it's just like, you know, maybe it's a too soon to tell, and we gotta see how it rides out. And I don't think it would be fair to say that something's like all good or all bad. Uh, but in general, Mm -hmm. it seems like if you the more distance (laughs) you get from a major change, the more you're like, you know what, I see why it needed to happen and I'm kind of happy where we are right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I feel your new AHR pain. <laughs> we went live with new HR April 3rd, which coincidentally was my birthday. I was like, come on, <laughs> happy birthday, not to me. <laughs> it was fine. Um, but hundred percent, you know, there's some aspects of the new HR like, oh, this is better. I like this better. And other ones like, oh, I wish we could do it the old way. So, um, yeah, it's too soon to tell, but trying to look at the positive and, um, I'm, you know, trying to think of the mantras I've been taught or heard of. And I love that everything is new until it's not. I think we, Said that to each other at my clinic like 20 times that first week because we're like, it's gonna get better, it's gonna get smoother before you know it. It's just a couple of clicks, you don't even have to think about it. But you do have to think about it early on, and that feels frustrating. I right? it's slowing you down. So um, yeah, no, I think um seasons changing and in, in primary care, yeah. That kind of leadership changes. how did the leadership changes feel for you, Bridget? It was it like nerve-wracking? Like, are they gonna follow you know the the shared vision? Is this gonna be a new course of action? I, I can in, um, imagine that would could be like whoa what's the new new boss gonna do (laughs)
2: yeah I mean to be honest it's been it's been pretty good and pretty smooth and I think that with uh and and, and sometimes I can get a little tunnel vision like as long as integrated care is fine like that I I can sometimes get like that which (laughs) yeah um yeah I don't mean completely but there's just a little bit of like sure You know, you think about those early battles and it's Mm -hmm. like, are we going to lose any ground? And I have not found that to be the case. In fact, I think that I've gained more ground where it's just like the folks that are coming in, it's like, this is just how we do things. And we had such support of the leadership who had left for integrated care um, or most of them retired, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, this is how we do things and being a part of those interview processes. And so Mm -hmm. it it felt smoother than what you would think. Uh, but any changes change. And yeah, uh, it's, yeah, you, you're getting used to different styles and different ways of presenting. And, and there were some cases where it's like, I'm still fighting. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're on your side. And so mm-hmm. that was just an interesting, that was a whole oh, different sure. thing for my brain. It's like, I'm used to fighting. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, on. <laughs> I get it. You don't have to fight. <laughs> my side. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been something, but um, not as bad as one might think.
1: No, that's great. I think that speaks volumes to the strength of your leadership of integrated care program, right? It's like it has a strong foundation. We are not going backward. This oh. is here to stay. It's blossoming, <laughs> use our season analogy, <laughs> and it, it's got firm roots. So, you know, take it all the way. <laughs> but no, I mean that's good. I think that you know you made that good foundation that um, the program is valuable, and um, it's only going to move forward. So good for you guys. That's cool.
0: Not to be too much of a systems theory nerd, (laughs) but
1: you guys are describing
0: so much of what we know to be true about change, you know, and healthcare, I think we're always trying to work towards some continual change. You know, we have the QI projects and continuous improvement, and there's always new, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us ever in any system I've been a part of are like, okay, it's good. We'll just let it roll like it is, you know, we're always looking for ways to give our patients better care or improve our systems and our procedures. And, but sometimes that continuous change, like it can slog on forever until some, kind of external force happens whether it is a change in leadership which our system also experienced about four years ago um and almost entirely like we had a new um CEO come in and then almost all of this has changed since then and you know that has steered things in some ways or like the pandemic you know happened and it's such a central like Force of a change from an external pressure. And then we adapt and we shift and we figure out like that too soon to tell, I think, is a really important thing for us to hold in mind because sometimes yeah. when there are changing seasons, we do want to it depending on where we stand, we either want to be like, oh, this is gonna be so much better and this is gonna solve all of our problems. And thank goodness we're done with whatever, or we're fearful of it because we liked the way that things were. And so to be able to Hold some space for ambiguity and not decide too soon about what it is or isn't or what's going to fall out is pretty important, I think, to our ability to adapt.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's a lot of that um, well, not just in healthcare, right? All fields, right? The great what resignation where so many folks cho- changed jobs or quit a job or got a new job post pandemic that it, I think everyone kind of had that sense of like, it's time to you know, take stock. What am I doing professionally? Is this working for me? Do I have a good work-life balance? Do I need to make a change, work somewhere else? And um, I think that's certainly true in healthcare or at least amongst the, some of the providers that I know of. And um, I think for the good, right? It, it gives us a chance to really say, all right, that was kind of crisis mode in healthcare, but um, you know, what are we doing professionally? Are we fulfilled? Should we be devoting time to more, you know, passion projects or things that really speak to our, um, you know, how, how we're fulfilled in the work we do. And I think that's been a good, change or a good post-season like you know the good things that came of COVID um telemedicine's one that comes to mind I think I've said that a lot to my patients of like yeah if we intentionally were like all right we're gonna do video visits it would take taken us years <laughs> but you know come what end of March early April 2020 it was like you have to do telemedicine tomorrow <laughs> because nobody's coming in the office so I think yeah sometimes those Kicks in the, you know, rear are are good and and do help you kind of take stock of like, all right, where am I at and, you know, is it is it time for a change? So,
2: yeah, yeah, I think um that you're hitting the nail on the head that sometimes these crises can demonstrate what you what we can do, what we can get done, yeah, and so um it brings that level of urgency to the point where it's you know hits that tipping point uh, a lot a lot quicker so. Yeah, nobody wanted the pandemic. Still don't want the pandemic. Um, It's still in some ways over, but not over. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But um, I I think that it did demonstrate some of the actions that resulted of it was like we can do more than what we think we can, and we can reevaluate things more than what we think we can to see if this is really. um, But it's interesting because we just got a memo that the telehealth visits, at least in Washington will last through like 2024 but i'm like does that mean that they're now ending afterwards so i don't i haven't i was out of the country Mm -hmm. for two weeks i didn't have my computer for two Mm -hmm. weeks so i don't know what's happening in the world More ambiguity yeah (laughs) hopefully we find out right Right. i'm like oh my gosh are we really considering removing virtual visits so i don't know right
1: no absolutely I, i saw a similar email memo of the public health emergency is ending i think it was May 11th, like, okay, <laughs> like, but and then the implications of right like exactly what you're saying telemedicine and how does that impact the future but. Um, I don't know. Again, I think it's that the providers that do the work and even the patients have like we've we've gotten a taste of something that works for us. Not that yeah. everyone needs to be telemed, but maybe they're sprinkled throughout your day when it's convenient for the patient. And that shouldn't go anywhere. That's a that's a good thing. That's one of the only good things <laughs> that came from such a, a rough couple of years with the whole pandemic is hey, we, we got a little more nimble and flexible. So I think that yeah, I mean we're gonna speak up with that. Nope, this is this cannot go backwards, tell you know, video visits, phone visits, it's just another way to connect with patients and um, integrated care. Like you guys probably do that more than I do as a primary, you know, but um, there's definitely some role for that. And it's nice to have that connection to folks. Cause sometimes that was the barrier. Like, Oh, I can't, you know, my car's broken down and you're like, yeah. mm, you know, gee shucks, I can't see you. But um, I think it's a good way to just kind of stretch and literally meet people where they are.
0: <laughs> so there are things like that that we don't see until we've moved out of a season necessarily. And I, I wonder even if, you know, if there are forces and decision makers who say, oh no, we're done with virtual visits. And then the like backlash and outcry from patients and providers is such that they're like, oh, never mind, Like, it'll be fine, but like, you can keep doing that. Um, and it makes me think about how you know, we have so many sayings about like hindsight and that we see things after we move out of a season. And so I wonder, this question may be too abstract, but like, if you look back in seasons that your system has been in the past or seasons that you've experienced in the past, what are some things like looking back, maybe that you didn't see at the time, but that you took from that or learned from that time in your life or in your system from a past season?
2: yeah I mean I think that there's been tons with regards to uh, staffing and uh, fit and seeing whether or not uh, the setting and the it was right for certain folks and vice you know vice versa if they found it to be fulfilling and if um, I, I think that there's been opportunities to do more flex work and which have come out of some different aspects where like, I'm thinking early on our schedule would change all the time and there wasn't, um, like admin time. And then I don't even know exactly how things shook out, but now we have it and it's like, it's so much better. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I don't know, I guess I'm not really answering your, your question well, but Thinking back on the last nine years at the organization that I've worked at, there's like these little pockets of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we used to do it like that. I'm so glad it's different now. I'm, I can't believe we used to do yeah. it like that. And so it's so much different yeah. now. I'm so yeah. glad that this happened. This seemed to work out better. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't always planned. <laughs> Yes, I wish I could take credit for all of it, or I might take credit for all of it, but a lot of it wasn't planned. A lot of it just kind of happened organically. Yep. And, I, and looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that those changes happened. Yes.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, okay. So our health system, yes, I think it was the obstacle at the time and then opportunity, <laughs> you know, like we started off with no intentional integration It was the, okay, what are we going to do about behavioral health? It was a other, it was a refer. We have no place to refer our primary care patients, especially with Medicaid. We got to hire a psychiatrist. That'll solve it. And we're like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, we put some feelers out like, nope, that's not going to do it. Um, So we, you know, said, well, maybe we got to look at reshifting that paradigm and maybe these integration things and some of these models where we can do more in primary care is what the path we need to go on. And um, that was not a popular or a you know like something anyone had done in our system so that was a like ooh this this is new is this is this good bad or too soon to tell right <laughs> so thankfully we we took a leap and we had a good um, leadership team that said let's try it and um, yeah and early on we did some co-location and we did some partnering with you know, private behavioral health specialty office and had some co-location of nurse practitioners and um, LCSWs in the primary care office. And it wasn't a bad thing, but then those relationships fizzled, those providers moved on and it was like, shoot, now it's time to go back to the drawing board. Now we have nothing. We just have regular primary care and this behavioral health needs. So here we go for um, that obstacle. And now it's turning into an opportunity and it's gone well. But again, at the time we were probably like, oh no, we're back to nowhere. Our provider left and now we have nobody to to help us. And it's like, no, we really needed to help ourselves in a way, right? Like switch the culture and and learn things like integration from awesome people like you.
0: (laughs) I think you're describing such a reflective process. You know, like change happens. And just like you said, sometimes it's things that we didn't intend or just like, you know, the seasons, I think the metaphor continues because it changes whether we want it to or not. And it changes whether we, Wish that it would or not. But uh, if we stop and reflect and really think about what is good that I want to keep from this, what do I want to change and put some intentionality around capturing those adaptations that can lead to such lasting and meaningful permanent change you know like we need this this thing was sort of a happy abs- accident and we need to keep it or this was the way that we solved a problem temporarily and we're never doing that
2: again which <laughs> i think we've had some of those things yeah. uh in our system as well yeah, yeah i was just thinking i like how you said that the obstacle turns into opportunity like i remember we went through a cms audit and it was so terrible at the time but because of it we made so many improvements in our documentation and then it set, you know, set the way. And so even when we changed EHRs, we mm-hmm. still had an idea of like, what were the basic things that needed to be in it? So then that made this change not so bad. And so yeah. I like the obstacle into opportunity and um, Grace, as you just said, like things like, oh, like we used to do, um, oh my God, before there was technology that was easy, like Teams or like some instant message system, we used like our cell phones for like mm-hmm. handoffs. And like the thought of going back to like, (laughs) I understand why we did it at the time and it made sense uh, contextually at the time, but like, we will never go back to text Mm -hmm. messages again. Like, (laughs) and we didn't think about technology in a way, how is it gonna uh, help support Mm -hmm. our work? Like we didn't, we we weren't so intentional now. We're very, all of us, you know, within the system are, and I'd say across the world Mm -hmm. are very intentional about like, how can technology aid me, but that wasn't even really on the radar back then. So I don't know. It's just interesting how, um, how things things evolve. But if you can, like you said, if you, if you guys can like, if we all can be intentional and say, okay, yeah, what changes that happened? How did we adapt? What worked? What didn't work? And then being a little bit more intentional Mm -hmm. for solving future problems. It's a, it's, there's a lot of rich information in there for sure.
0: What challenges have you guys seen or do you think some people might experience around changing seasons? (laughs)
1: I'm laughing because I feel like there are so many of them. (laughs) Uh, Uh,
0: One that comes to mind for me is when not everyone wants the change at the same time or at the same pace. Uh, You know, we're talking about team-based care and that's something that's really important to us at CFHA and in our Integrated Care Podcast, obviously. Um, But teams are made of many people and people have different stages of acceptance of change (laughs) or, you know, readiness to change. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be a big challenge challenge for teams. I've experienced that being a really big challenge for my team sometimes. And so I'm curious about that or other challenges that you guys have seen with changing seasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a wise observation. It's so sure that the season changes, whether you want it to or not, you're getting a new EHR, whether you want it or not, you know, so it's like, all right, got to reframe that in a way. It's like, how can we roll with that resistance and not, (laughs) you know, um, complain about it and let it ruin our day with negativity and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I guess one lesson we've learned in our system is having at least, especially the medical docs, the PCPs, like being part of the change and bringing them to the table. Because the last thing that, you know, maybe, maybe it's not just the docs, but people in general, it's like, you, you'd rather come to a, a decision together of, we want to do this and change and move the, in this direction rather than the coming from on high of you will do it this way. You know, I mean, just the, the buy-in from the PCPs, like, you know, I can think like chronic care management is like a Medicare initiative that um, we're supposed to do with our Medicare patients. And it feels, um, it's great. You know, it's like we got a nurse care manager and she calls them after they leave the hospital and checks in, but it's, it's not a system where the PCP really takes ownership in that. It's not like, all right, this is an initiative where I, you know, uh, brought in from the beginning. I have buy-in. I see how this, you know, is something that I want to initiate with my patients. It's just this other entity that happens behind the scenes without us. Mm. So with integration, um, I think while we've had some successes, getting those PCPs in the conversation well before launch, like how do, how could the, what are your pain points? How could this help you? What do you need help with? You know, wouldn't it be nice to have a BHC or care manager around to, um, do a warm handoff and, you know, you need some backup for ooh, what is this diagnosis? Oh, they could use some, you know, coping strategies. So, um, I don't know. I think that just is one way that, um, helps us with change in the, the medical system or the primary care culture is, um, co-owning the change and, and having a conversation about it rather than just say, here's your new marching orders good luck <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> choosing to be a part of it and you know when you were given that choice and finding ways to contribute to the planning instead of just like the resistance you know yeah. and maybe that's a place where we can activate our team members and ourselves when we are nervous about a change or resistant to a change. Like, can you become a part of that conversation? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, on healthy teams, I think all the stakeholders are invited to the conversation to Mm -hmm. contribute. And unfortunately, sometimes teams aren't as healthy and people aren't consulted or aren't considered and A a lot of times when that breaks down, I think it's the people with the least power who are consulted Mm -hmm. the least. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be you know, workers in our system, but could also be patients or people that are having like the trickle down effects of policies. And so when we can, and I hope, you know, for our listeners, and this is a reminder to myself, when we're thinking about implementing change, who are the stakeholders that we can bring to the conversation so that it can be uh, a collaborative effort and a a unified effort? Because that resistance, you know, it's a, a little bit of a, you know, like Like in motivational interviewing, we can get curious about that resistance because that resistance that someone is having to change may be telling us something important that we can listen to or work with, um, you know, that we can engage in dialogue, hopefully, instead of just dictating what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's like you're on a tightrope in some ways where you want folks to be a part of the change and include them and have us all be on board of like, okay, what can we contribute while just again, tightrope with not having like that toxic positivity to where it's like, like, I I know that when we went through our EHR, the amount of times like, well, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. And it's like, I agree. And actually it is better. Like it is, it is, it is factually better. It is subjectively better. It is better, but like, it's also okay to say like, I'm nervous. Like all the reports that we had created for the last nine years are now gone X, Y, and Z. And so when somebody keeps saying like, Oh, but it's going to be great. Oh, it's very invalidating. So, and I'm not saying that I did this perfectly either. I'm sure that there's times where folks on my team are coming to me and I'm like, okay, but yeah, like we've heard this and like a time to move on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that leadership, it's this never ending tightrope that you're walking where it's like, to hear concerns. And like Grace, you're saying, like, there might be some really important stuff in that resistance that could be telling us something um, and hearing that. But then also at a certain point, making the shift to like, okay, but this is the new reality. Like, we're not going to continue to create workflows for the old system. Like, we're not going to do that because that's that's not healthy either. Um, And, you know, I don't have any right answers on this other than to say that if you are in a position of, of of if you have folks who report to you just to remember to find that balance of like validating. And then Mm -hmm. you do have a right that if you validated and validated and validated and you vetted it, and we've already made that change. And we're somebody still making contributions that are based on the old system. We do have a right to say like, okay, that is the old system. We are not going to be doing that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess, as I'm saying all this, the word that keeps coming into my head is grace. Um, and maybe that's why you're named that because you have a lot of <laughs> grace, but just grace for each other mm-hmm. that there's going to be times as a leader where I'm going to screw it up, where I'm going to come with either too much toxic positivity or I'm going to let us linger in the past too long. Um, and then my boss might do the same thing or the people that I report to. So just to have grace that everyone is trying to manage this and we all you know manage change differently. And so it's a very emotional process, too. Uh, and I think that not to call out healthcare. But just thinking in my system, like that seems to be missing is that at times is we don't recognize how emotional this process is, and we try to like act like it's not. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is all very emotional, y'all. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're surprised, when we? Feel emotional about it? Like, am I overreacting? Am I? Is my crankiness just me? <laughs> it's like, no. A lot of us probably feel cranky about this, and that's valid, but then there's the good part too. So I agree. I don't don't think we leave time for that. I don't think we leave space for that. It's like EMR implementation, click here, click this workflow, done. And you're right. There's no like time to be like, oh yeah, let's, you know, this has been tough. This is a change. That's a huge undertaking for a health system to make that, that shift and just acknowledging that kind of, you know, I think good team leaders, you know, like they do that, like, yeah, this is tough and, and thanks for your work. We've had some good, good, um, you know, examples of that in our system of like, wow, the leaders are really like acknowledging the, the team that's put on all the, you know, unflashy work, months and months of preparation that, yeah, it's not glitzy, but it's why we're as successful today with the launch. So yeah, just acknowledging those things, I think helps everybody feel like it's it's worthwhile.
0: So other than not everybody being ready for a change um, or having different levels of readiness or different ideas about what should be changing, what other challenges have we seen or do we anticipate
2: teams might experience with changing seasons? Say like um, cognitive overload Mm -hmm. and emotional. I don't know why I'm just saying just it's not only cognitive, just the overload of like you know how it is when there's so many moving parts and there's just like one little thing and it just feels so huge. And then, you know, two weeks later, you look at what the ask was and you're like, oh, that's like really easy. It's no big deal. And it's like that task didn't change. Your mm-hmm. your load is what changed. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, and so remembering that <clears throat> as you're rolling things out, that we there is is this urgency to change everything all at once. And I think that urgency in some ways can be useful. And also to remember to pace ourselves through through this process. And if your timing isn't the greatest, then it can there could be unnecessary resistance to something. And it's just because, you know, everyone was already full. Whereas if you bring up that same thing two weeks from then, um, so I yeah, I think the pacing and I haven't, I, I think I have a lot of work to do in that are, arena because I'm kind of like, oh, let's get everything done. And then if I can't get everything done, then it kind of falls off my radar. And it's like, Bridge, we got to come up with a plan where you're like pacing on a steady, you know, what is the next three to six the nine month plan? Um, not either get it done now or have it drop off your radar.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> when you're mentioning season changes in in, you know, healthcare or primary care, like the literal thing that comes to mind is just the calendar year and different visit types like especially for um, family medicine mm. that you know sees kids you know or a peds practice that's very dependent on what stressors and what's coming in the door you know like your pediatricians like oh my gosh it's school physical season it's june everybody needs a sports physical you know august 1st because camp and practice starts august 15th so they're under a stress there for preventative visits so there's more paperwork there's more um, preventative immunization so that kind of bogs down nursing there's more Documentation there. And then the flip side is, you know, come fall, like it's flu season. Now everything's turned on its head with COVID. Who knows? (laughs) But um, certainly more of the cold winter months, you know, with um, acute visits, you know, cough and cold season, flu season, whatever that would look like. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely a cyclic thing in primary care of the calendar year and the weather seasons affecting, you know. What, what stresses us out, you know, in January, it might be because we've got, you know, 20 people calling that need to get in for a fever and a cough versus (laughs) August where it's like, ah, you know, 10 kids forgot their physical and they got to do it tomorrow before camp. So, yeah, I think that's just another reality of, um challenges with with different seasons but but again there's always a good part to that season right like grace said like no matter what the season there's something you can look you know look forward to maybe you love christmas so you can get through that you know tough (laughs) season in primary care with all the colds um because it's christmas time or maybe it's yay it's summer we're bogged down with physicals but maybe there's a vacation to look forward to so i don't know keeping those things in mind at least keeps us afloat sometimes you
0: know listening to you talking about that is just bringing up for me um the act principle uh surprise that it's our it, like change is inevitable and shifting is inevitable but a lot of times it's our attempt to hold on or our attempt to resistance that actually is what leads to our suffering um because when we try so hard to keep things the way that they were like you could resist all day long, you know, that, you know, no, I'm not going to do a hundred sports physicals. Well, like you kind of are, cause that's what your patients are asking for. And that's what's getting scheduled. And so like, if you're going to have a terrible attitude about it, or if you're going to refuse to do it, or if you're going to whatever, like that's, what's causing you more pain than if we can stay in a little bit more of a state of fluidity. And if we can recognize that it's some, sometimes it's not the changing of the season that's actually so painful mm. for it us, but it's the holding on to what was or fear of what may be, you know, like, I feel like this is my life lesson right now, just in like, even in my personal life, just of this phase of my life is recognizing that like pain or regret or attachment to what happened in the past mm. or fear or worry or even hope and looking forward to what might happen in the future are both just things that take me away from what I need right now and being able to be present and being able to respond and adapt and to show up with my full self in this moment and this season that we're in I don't again I don't know where our audio is going to start for our releasing but literally my four children were homesick. sick all of four of them throwing up this week and like that's just legitimately a miserable experience yep. 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 <laughs> there's no way to shine that up or nope. make it look pretty um, survival mode <laughs> yes survival mode but like and this is, you know, you said earlier, Bridget, maybe it's just the optimist in you. And I will acknowledge, like, I am an optimist and I am someone who's always looking for the positive, but like, how much worse would it be if I also spent those two days just like hating life and how terrible it is and like how miserable all of this is. But if I know that, you know, bugs change and they'll pass and there will be something else and we just survive and we just move through it, that is mindset change is so important and i think of that like on a larger level for our systems and for ourselves of course it all comes back to act right <laughs> act 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 mm-hmm. um but just this being in the present and being showing up with our full self to the day and the season and sometimes the hour and the moment that we're in
2: makes such a huge
0: difference for sure yeah
2: yeah and grace um thinking about this do you have any advice for Um, our listeners or for, uh, uh, I have a friend, AKA myself, um, that (laughs) when these, when, when, when those changes are happening, you know, all around, it's, it's actually another act principle um, of self as content versus self as context. So when there's a lot of change around me, I'll start to internally kind of feel a little bit more out of control and, you know, things aren't going the way I want them to be. And I'm very regimented. So it's like throws me off. And so then I kind of will be like, oh, well, I'm having a hard time. And I will completely separate myself from the fact that it's like, are you having a hard time or are you in just a really tough context? And so our minds will play tricks on us in that way. And same thing, we'll see that with our patients, right? They come in, they're saying they're having a hard time. And then you ask them a few questions. It's like, I wouldn't necessarily say that's like a you problem. You know, there's been some (laughs) things that have happened way out of your control um, that absolutely are impacting you. And they're like, but I'm I'm just so anxious it's like yeah you are experiencing anxiety but x y and z happen so is there any tips that you can have for the rest of us the audience and maybe even in our clinical work to help people be grounded in? look it's not that you're suddenly out of control there's just been a lot of change around you and to just kind of have that compassion for ourselves in that moment listen I'm so glad you asked (laughs) Because the other thing
0: that I have been learning less personally, but more like academically over the last several years is about our neurobiology of chronic stress and how that impacts us. And just the absolute importance of checking, like being in our body and checking in with ourselves and recognizing what's happening so that we can identify dysregulation and re-regulate ourselves. And that looks all kinds of ways, like so many different ways. But I think so many times we just have a sense of like, oh, I'm off. I like something is wrong. Like you said earlier, like maybe one day you get a request and it just feels like the end of the world. And then two weeks later you get a request and you're like, "Eh, it's fine because it's, you're dysregulated and there's so much load that you're carrying on your Mm -hmm. nervous system and, and, and your mind and your body. And so, like the absolute, absolute, absolute important thing is to become so in touch with yourself and what it feels like to be steady and regulated mm-hmm. and calm and what it feels like to be swinging outside of that regulation. And so you can either be hyper aroused, like you're just like jittery the stressed out all the time, or you can be like hypo aroused or in that sort of um, freeze or frozen state. And what happens is it's a like um, I'm sorry you you yeah, you open the can of worms for mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. no golly. that's great you so say in, we end up in this um, it's a recursive process so like we we rev up our energy and we end up in that like hyper alert state and then our body because we cannot stay in that state slams on the brakes and then we end up in that really shut down state and we can sometimes like screen between those two states, totally outside of our conscious control. You know, we go, 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 go all day at work or with our kids or like moving through our life. And then we finally get home and sit on the couch and we crash and we like, can't get ourselves back up. And because that's that like swinging back of the pendulum. And so what we need to do is be able to recognize that A, your body was designed to do that. Your nervous system is there to respond to stress. But the part of our body and the part of our brains that respond to stress is not the same part of our brains that is like logical in our thinking brain. And so, you know, it, sometimes it's, you know, there are 14 patients on my schedule today and this one's running 30 minutes late. And now this other patient told me when my hand on was on the door that they're suicidal and our our brain and our body is like bare, danger. You're going to die. And it doesn't matter that we know that we're safe. Like we know that in that moment, you know, we are not literally about to die, but our body responds like we are. And so we have to become aware of what's going on and recognize what are the strategies for us of like putting the brakes on or re-regulating. Or sometimes if we have swung into that frozen state, we also need to be able to come back up. Um, so I've been doing a ton of work on this, um, for our residents. I'm, Presenting on it next week at STFM. That'll be over by the time this comes out. And I don't know. How, I don't know how many how much overlap we have with. I know we have some residency people um, that are li- listeners, but maybe I will link. I've made a handout that I've been using with our residents, um, and that my they have been finding helpful to distribute to patients as well. And I can link to that um, in our show notes that has just lots of regulation strategies and thinking about where we are. Because the thing is, like. Okay, so think about your energy on a scale from one to 10. And five is like you are, you're engaged, you're alert, but you're calm, like you're, you're responsive, you are very regulated. And a 10 is where you're basically having a panic attack because you're so hyped up. And a one is like, you're almost catatonic because you're so frozen. We need to recognize where our sweet spot is um, and we need to be able to readjust to come back. Now, your body, if you're very dysregulated is going to swing from like, an eight to a two, because that's where you go, 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 go. go, And then you finally sit down on the couch and you crash. But when we are being intentional and responsive and intentionally re-regulating ourselves, we need to recognize, oh, I'm at a six or I'm at a seven or I'm moving up. And then we have to think about it like a ladder. So we have to come down one notches or two notches or calm ourselves down. Because when we try to jump all the way down, that a, it doesn't work. It's ineffective. And that's why I think a lot of our patients that were like, you need to do deep breathing and like that, yeah, that doesn't work for me. It's because they were like a nine and they were trying to do deep breathing and like, it's anyway, so you had to match. Mm-hmm. This goes deep. I should just do a bonus episode and talk no. about no, it's, um, it's good stuff. Neurobiology and all of that, because this is like recently my passion area. No,
1: that's amazing. I feel like I need to go in a time machine and listen to you talk about that a couple of years ago when we were launching integration. Because I think my enthusiasm <laughs> for the work, for the we need to do this, I was at a seven or eight, and then we'd meet resistance with things that aren't my control. You know, my good friend Kathy, is my nurse practitioner, like work bestie. um She's like, you internalize this way too much, and I was like, I am. It's like it's not a referendum on Jen whether we can integrate and, and move. <laughs> Forward with COCM. It's like no, this is for the good of the system. And so, it, I don't know. Like exactly hits to your point, Grace. Of like, you know, you, you got to just watch yourself, right? Like check in. Like if I'm at an eight because we just you know lost a staff member, the oh gee, we can't code for this now. It's not a. It's time for the bear. It's more like all right, chill out. This isn't this isn't something I control. Let's keep it here. I'm more effective as a team leader, yeah, communicator so as a five. Our stuff
0: our relaxation strategies are just engaging and really good taking care of ourselves, All of those things are things that can help reset and re-regulate us. And we need a whole wide range of a toolbox of them. So you need things you can do while you're in clinic, um, you know, in a break between patients. And then you need things that you can do for a week on a vacation at the beach. Um, But it's not practical for us to think, oh, well, I'm dysregulated, but I've got a vacation coming up in a month. Like, (laughs) <laughs> okay. Does that doesn't help you right now? I mean, it might a little bit if like planning for where you're going to eat, gives you a little yeah. of joy. Um, but ultimately we have to, it's not realistic. So we have to be in the moment in our yeah. and mm-hmm. and we can see that in each other and can promote that in our teams and encourage each other. And I think the more that we can name our dysregulation, name the season and this is kind of my big takeaway too, as I'm thinking about seasons we got to name where we are mm. and recognize, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. all of this will slip by beneath our notice. And then the next thing we know, we're like, I feel terrible. I, I am not coping. This is awful. Something yeah. is wrong. So yeah. we just have to name our seasons. We have to live in those seasons. We have to not wait for them to be over, which I think is something also a trap that we fall into a lot. Like, mm. oh, well, when this is over, then it'll be better. Mm-hmm. Or like, I mean, residents yeah. are terrible Sure. Where, sure, I'm attending sure. everything's yeah. going to be better. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. listen, friend, you're still going to be you. And yeah. our healthcare system is not going to be different. Yep. And yeah, yep. there's a yep. lot that's out of your control right now. And some of that is going to be better, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, I always tell them, you're, and I work in family medicine. So it's three years. And like, your life doesn't stop for these three years that you're in residency. And so mm-hmm. you need to find ways to still live your life. Again, mm-hmm. back to act, right? Connect with your values, connect with the things that are important to you. Um, but I think that's true for all of the seasons that we're talking about, whether it's residency or new EMR implementation or interview season drives me freaking nuts and lasts for six months for residency interviews. That's one of my <laughs> of the season, um, but like naming where we are, recognizing that waiting until it's over for things to get better is not really adaptive for us. Right. we have got
2: to kind of find ways to move through that and then being intentional about what we keep and what we change. I am glad that we mentioned the dysregulation because I I think to sum up when you were asking like, what are the biggest challenges associated with change? I think for me and many of the other folks that I witness is the dysregulation that you experience Mm -hmm. uh, just because of the change, whether it's the cognitive load or the emotions not being named or things happening to you or whatever it is, um, the dysregulation can kick in. Uh, So I am really glad that, that you named that. Absolutely. So. I learned a ton. This is great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always smarter. So, after all, listening. To like I ladies. said, I will
2: link that <laughs> handout that
0: I've made in the show notes. And I am thinking about working on some, you know, continuing education stuff that um, this shares all of this, because I think it's really helpful. But uh, this has been such a great conversation. And I think there's so much, hopefully validation on the one hand, that we all experience <laughs> seasons of change. And change is hard and painful and we can recognize that, but also there's strategies that we can use to move through it. And like, we are in it with you. (laughs) Each of us has been there and is there in some seasons. And, you know, I, I think we didn't really mention community, but like, that's such a big piece of being able to connect to others that have been there, whether it's listening to our (laughs) podcast or like reaching out, you know, to our professional organization or your friends or whoever can connect and support you through that. Look to your team so thank you for being part of our community um we are gonna go now to our ending thoughts from deepu
3: this is a poem titled sometimes at work by our own jason l herndon anxious me <laughs> full-throated performative laughter a little loud maybe awkward but the idea just just seems so silly let me tell it I'm a leaf cascading down a lazy river then basking in the sun on a sandy bank at most a mallard moving with grace and poise through the water working a bit harder than you might expect just under the surface. J.L. Herndon, or Jason Herndon, is an author of speculative fiction and poetry. All his characters are black unless otherwise noted. He is a psychologist by training and one of our board of directors members, and he's fascinated by people, families, and their relationships. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Deepu. Thank you, Jen and Bridget for being here and chatting this morning. And thank you to all of our listeners and we'll talk to you again next
3: month.